I mean, I've been I've been saying to you, you know, a few times to you guys over the last few days, you know, that Instagram quote that I think about all the time, and it's um, people at the bottom compete and people at the top collaborate. Yeah. And I just really believe that, like, if you have information or if you figured it out and you have your system or whatever, like, there's no reason to hoard it. Yeah. And like, you know, you have your thing and and you're just not going to tell anyone ever it's your formula, like. No, because we have the power to like literally link together, network together, change the trajectory of the industry. Welcome, everyone. This is the Eden Podcast. We are here with Ryan Ashley. You may know her from many things, including Teen Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Ink Master, best tattooer in the world, I think. But anyway, we're here with her. We're going to talk. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. This is the first podcast I've done in like a really long time, a couple of years. Yeah. We're honored. Yeah. You look beautiful. Thank you so Majestic, much. Thank you so much. Of course. Uh, I, yeah, I'm so super stoked to be here, but um, we've been following you guys, like following your process of the studio and everything that Eden has, you know, developed into and like, it's been crazy watching you guys. You're crushing on so many levels with such a good message, such a good environment. And so, yeah, it's been it's been really cool to come and see it. We're here to talk about you. <laughs> what do you want what do you want to know? <laughs> you're amazing. You are Thank like you. I mean, you're just like a powerful entity in the tattoo world. Um I would say I think you're probably the most famous tattooer in the world and a great that sounds crazy i hope other people have that reaction as well (laughs) i I think sounds crazy yeah no not your reaction my reaction because in in my mind even hearing that i'm like oh my god there's a rolodex of tattooers that i think are so mind-blowing the rolodex in my mind like above me that i could think of that should have that title or should you know give people that feeling so it's crazy hearing that well no and it's it's all you and putting in the work from the very beginning um i i'm also curious because like the first time i saw you on ink master i was like the first time that i've seen you um killed your season obviously um i heard like maybe i i think you were kind of like getting big in the industry before that are already pretty big too and you've just been like climbing up because of your talent and what Thank you do you. for the industry and just like everything in general. Yeah. So like, how did it, I don't know. I'm kind of curious how it all started. I don't think I've ever really asked you. Um. So, uh, man, it's crazy thinking about my life before I tattooed. Cause I, I feel like it's such a big tattooing is such a big part of our lives as tattooers. And it's not just our job or what we do. Like you wake up in the morning thinking about, you know, a design you would like to do. You go to bed with your iPad next to you. You know, it's every minute of every day. It's a way of life, you know, being a a tattooer. And um, so thinking about a time before I tattooed is really funny, actually, because I feel like it was always inside of me to want to decorate the human body and to play with anatomy Mm. and to, you know, 
just focus on how beautiful this thing is. Like, look at this vessel we get to fucking be in, you know, for, for this reality. And why would you not want to celebrate it? And um, so before I tattooed, I um, actually went to FIT um, right out of high school. I went to FIT for um, fashion and worked in the fashion world for like six years. And I got this cool job where um, I worked for this um, private label company that designed for bigger brands. And so my job at that company was designing beadwork, lace work fabric, appliques, textiles, all of that stuff. And so sometimes, you know, I'd go into work and spend eight hours, nine hours, you know, with tweezers and a pile of beads, like gluing little beads to make the design to send to the factory to, you know. Wow. That makes so much sense too, for what you do today and your style. And so, yeah, transferring that into tattooing, um, it, wasn't really hard it was obvious I just went from one medium to another medium you know instead of decorating um for on top of the skin you start decorating things for in the skin but you use that same Mm -hmm. aesthetic and that same organic movement and flow yeah 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 it it was honestly the best thing I could have done um was work in fashion before I tattooed because the classes we took you know even in college were pattern making drafting you're learning about Mm how the human body is constructed in terms of how to put it down on a flat piece of paper, you know, how to get things to fit, like what shapes you're trying to create. And it really allowed me to realize that with fashion and with tattooing, you can create illusions on the human body and trick the eye into seeing whatever you want it to see, you know? So, um, Sorry, real quick. Would you mind pulling your mic a little bit closer to you? Like you can bring the whole stand close. Yeah. There you go. Is that good? Yep. Much better. Is this better? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's it. Because we, we always talk about how like uh, like tattooing is different than fine art because it's like you're designing it for a body. So you're designing on this cylindrical thing and it's different than putting it on an iPad. But I never thought about how it's probably the same thing in fashion because I'm sure there's a drawing process where you're drawing it on something flat, but it's it's meant to go on somebody's body and curve and fit them. Yeah. And, and it, even like I have all of these ideas like all of these ideas about going into the back into the fashion world doing all these cool garments and these cool appliques and all of these things. But it's not, everything I want to do is not all of the way possible because it, it's so hard, you know, when, when you design for a sleeve, right? There's a straight line right here. And this isn't just a tube. It's actually like flat on one side, curved on the other. So when you, you know, Something that would help people, honestly, a little cool piece of advice, if you ever fucking feel like doing this, no one's going to do this, but you should uh, (laughs) take a garment apart one time, right? Like take, if I took this like sweater off and you actually cut the garment perfectly at the seams and you laid it down flat, you Mm. see the shape that it actually is and the shapes will surprise you, you know? And so, um, wow. Yeah. It's, it's. There's all the kinds of crazy shit happening now, though. If you guys do you use on on Procreate all the like 3D human bodies where you could. Okay, this guy at my shop, Paul, Paul Lunetta, Mm -hmm. blew my fucking mind the other day. Okay, he on his phone has this app called Polyscan and he scanned in a 3D file of his client. Okay, of his client, his client's. 3d body and then pulled this 3d poly scan basically because it's a um it's like a 3d file you can pull it into procreate 
and like draw on top of it. So wow. you could design so someone's wild. tattoos on their actual fucking body based on this body scan you do on your iPhone. Wait, what's what it called? Fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you know the app? Polyscan was the okay, scanning Polyscan. app. And then I think okay. he brought it into Procreate. And it's at Got the it. early stages, wow. obviously. So it's it's you know, it's clumsy a little bit and it's a little chunky and you can tell that it's not like, you know, it's not like a, a perfect like three D scanner and everything. Yeah. But it's the it's the fetal stages of this shit right it's the very beginning stages of this technology because people you know in the future of tattooing you can say like hey can you have somebody you know your your loved one your boyfriend whatever do a scan of your body for me and send it over so i can start designing for your tattoo yeah that's why you could send each other 3d scans of each other's bodies and then design directly perfectly to fit that person yes it's wild The, the next software that has to come out Oh, should I say it out loud in case someone makes millions of off, off of it? But anyway, we'll cut if but, it's a really good idea, we'll cut it out. And we'll just no, you know what? Fuck it. Knowledge should be free. We're not going to do this shit. Someone in the world should do it, but re- like reverse it then. And it's an app that takes, you know, if you sketch on a 3D body and procreate, it's an app that takes those designs and perfectly make stencils for you like in the shape and in the size and yeah. everything like that pattern so <sighs> they print out perfectly to yeah i'm not i'm not smart enough to do that so if anybody else wants to jump on that help do, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it would help me dude sometimes my stencils take like sometimes they take over two hours I to get on can oh imagine God. yeah yeah at your pieces yeah and do you do you freehand a lot because like you're i always tell people too in seminars like it is almost nearly impossible to draw on a flat piece of surface and then fit it on someone's body especially everybody's different mm-hmm. all of that and yours specifically is tailored just to bodies mm-hmm. do you so and well, it's so intricate well i have a trick for that actually um, Hive Caps always sends me this big barrier film, clear barrier film, and it's about this big, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people will put saran wrap over an area and trace the perfect area to get the movement and the flow and all that. I use this giant barrier film because it's sticky mm-hmm. and you could stick it to the body and then cut pieces, make your own pattern for yourself on their exact body. And when you lay it flat, you have, you know, the shape and everything of it. Scan that mm-hmm. and and you have your shape and your iPad, obviously, for your perfect, you know, fit. Yeah. Um, but I learned that after years of freehanding shit on because it n- never lined up correctly. Yeah. It never lined up correctly. Okay, and, wait, I'm visual. So you have the saran wrap and you wrap somebody like, don't use, fully. Should I do it? Do you guys have, <sighs> do we have an example? Do you guys have large barrier yeah, film? We, I mean, we we're have... doing a demonstrate. We're doing a demonstration. <laughs> Uh, saran wrap. That's oh wait, no, sar- no, no, not film. saran wrap. Barrier not saran wrap. Film. Barrier That's, film. Do you have big barrier film or not? Is that like the purple, or am I thinking crazy? Well, I'm or gonna the ask black, Hive Caps like, that you wrap you. your machine. It's barrier film, like you know the little blue barrier film. Yeah, but it's clear and it's this big. We don't have that, dude. I'll ask Hive Caps if they'll send you guys one to try because you got to try this trick. It'll blow your fucking mind. Okay, yeah. but okay. basically, like you can do basically like. Mm-hmm. You could lay it over the whole arm, like clear, transparent, mm-hmm. and then wherever it meets, right? Because this will be flat, but your arm is not a perfect cylinder. Your yeah. arm is totally shaped. The bottom yeah. is going to be less, you know, diameter than, than the top. Yeah. So if you lay it flat, you can perfectly fit it 
make a seam, draw your lines, and you have your angles and shapes perfectly laid out for you of what that shape actually is. You know what I mean? Yes. And so even if you want to roughly freehand with marker on the skin, uh-huh. put this barrier film over it, you make your pattern, you make your general shape, and then you have your flat outline of, you know? Oh my God. But the barrier film makes a huge difference because if you try to just put saran wrap over someone's arm, it's never going to fucking stay. It's going to get wrinkly yeah. Yeah. and yeah. weird. It's too clumsy. Yeah. This is like giant clear it's not as sticky as masking tape it's barrier film but it's giant clear you know transparent shit Brilliant. that you can literally make whole patterns of of people's I, dude i have a stack this big at my shop of people's body parts it'll be like jason's left leg <laughs> like you know and like all my all the chest pieces that i do i like hold them up and be like whose is this i'll try <laughs> yeah, to imagine yeah. like whose body is this for for all the tattooers that are watching that are new when i mean new in the industry i mean within the last six seven years who may not know back in the day we used to draw without ipads and we used to have like big tracing papers and do something kind of similar, right? Mm-hmm. But it was, it does not sound as efficient as this. No. And looking back, I'm so glad. Well, I guess it's bittersweet that tattooing is evolving. I'm, I love that tattooing is evolving because I'm a tattooer and I love spending more time on my artwork. And so if things can make my job easier and more convenient so I could be a better artist, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But also it's nostalgic because it's like, it's the same feeling as like going home to your hometown and you love going up over this hill because right when you get to the top of the hill, you see this beautiful farmland. And then, you know, one year you go home to see it and there's condos built. Sorry, this is a personal story. I was trying to make it seem third person, but it happens to me yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. kind of the same thing with tattooing where like you're a nostalgic for a time that doesn't exist anymore you know Oof. because those times actually made you who you are and i'm yeah. so happy for new tattooers that are just coming into the industry with all of these technologies and all of these crazy things i wonder if they're going to gain the humility that we had to gain because when you draw a fucking back piece and it takes you days and you make a stencil and it takes you half a fucking day to make your stencil and the stencil is just a little bit off that sucks that sucks dude that sucks dude and you're not designing yeah. a you're not designing a back piece on an airplane when you're bringing tracing paper this big with you you right. know what i mean like yeah. it's right yeah, yeah. and i it took me a while too i think i was i was better and um the first couple years of of when i was a tattooer i felt like apprentices especially they they needed to have at heart just like me I I was angry I was upset still about the people who hurt me and and um there's a balance you know I don't think you need to be abused by any means in your apprenticeship but I feel like working really hard without being abused I just like working your ass off does build the humility because what we are able to do right now is so incredible and so important. And to see people that maybe aren't so grateful that they are able to do this, it hurts my soul. I unfortunately have the same experience. I had a rougher mentorship. Like Mm. I had a pretty rough apprenticeship in terms of like psychological abuse. You know, I didn't know that's what it was at the time. Yeah. 
because you have tunnel vision towards your goal and you're willing to take whatever people want to give you, you know, in terms of, of treatment and everything. And for me, at least, I was always like, I'm strong enough to take it. I'm strong enough to take it. This yeah, is what life is going to be. This is a tough industry. Takes, right? I better tough it up now. And it is a tough industry and you do have to be fucking tough, but you don't have to be abused. No one has to be fucking abused and made to feel uncomfortable. That's fucked up, dude. Right. You know, and right. it's just because hurt people hurt people. Ugh. When I, Glory when I, when I see apprentices that, you know, I don't know, somebody is going and getting a coffee for them. And I'm like, no, you're an apprentice. Like, I have those feelings as well, but it's because I was hurt and I, and I feel like I went through it and you should go through it. It's a rite of passage, but that's not, it's normal to feel that way, but I don't think it's the highest vibration feeling that you can have or should have. I don't think that's the goal is to feel that way. Do you have apprentices or have you ever had apprentices? So actually, absolutely not. I have no apprentices. (laughs) I am still figuring this shit out, so I cannot be teaching other people. Um, But there is... um, Deanna, maybe you could take on Ryan as an apprentice. Yeah, I would love <laughs> if that. If you're still figuring shit out, we're all that. fucked. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because I feel like artists should trade knowledge and help each other because I can't do what you do. I, my brain doesn't work that way. My hand doesn't work that way, but I would love to learn, you know, and I feel like everyone should... Who, who turns down education and information? I'll teach you if you teach me how to do your stuff. I would. <laughs> love to know sometimes i just go into autopilot and i'm like what the fuck is happening i hope this turns out good um wait okay so we we touched a little bit on your apprenticeship but i don't know your apprenticeship story can i'm i'm curious yeah i'm curious you've been since i've been in the tattoo industry which is not very long you've been like we were said earlier like probably the most famous tattooer in the world so it just seems like you've just always been huge in the industry but i'm sure it started at some point so I'd yeah. love to find out like how you got into it and kind of when you got into it. And I, well, after college, obviously. Right. So you went to FIT. Yeah. And then. It's so crazy hearing people say you're probably the, what is it? Big, most famous. Most famous. That yeah. so, sounds so fucking weird to me. And I just want to clarify, even if for moments that seems true, that doesn't mean I'm the best or the strongest or the most impressive or the blah, blah, blah. I think I just have a really big outreach, you know, mm. and I fucking hope I'm doing the right shit with it. Like, I hope I'm sending the right messages and I hope, you know, it, it when I hear something like that, I'm like, okay, what example am I setting? It's gotta be like, like kind of like intimate, like daunting a little bit. You're like, oh shit, this it's, is, it's a tinge of like, um, definitely a tons of imposter syndrome, lots yeah. of imposter syndrome. Like, is my reality the same as their reality? Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, because even, you know, back to like my apprenticeship and everything, I um, I was in New York City, living in New York City, and I knew that I didn't want to work in fashion forever because I sat at a cubicle all day, every day, and did artwork for people that were not appreciative. I wasn't changing people's lives, putting these beads on this fucking jean jacket, you know, and getting paid like $11 an hour for someone else to put their name on my artwork. Like I felt like I was in a cage and I just couldn't do it. And so there's no way at the time I could have afforded to live in New York city and be an apprentice because you have to dive in all of the way, especially, you know, 12 years ago, 13 years ago when, you know, I started my apprenticeship or when I started tattooing 12 or 13 years ago. Yeah. Um, apprenticeships were like it's all day every day 
You're there yeah. all fucking day. It's your life. It's your full-time fucking job. You don't have time for a job. No. You are an apprentice. That's your... And I wanted to devote that amount of time to it. I wanted yeah. And so the only way I could do that was basically move back to Pennsylvania to my hometown where things, life was just slower. Things were easier, cheaper, more comfortable. It was more reasonable for me to like, you know, get an apartment and be able to devote all of that yeah. time. And so um, I started my apprenticeship with this dude at the time. He was a really fucking cool dude. And this was like 13 years ago, you said uh-huh. like 2010 ish. 20, no, no, no. 2012. It was 2012, 12 okay. years ago. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. It's 2024. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like, yeah, yeah. Right, in, right in that 12th year. It's, it's early and it's taking me a second. Yeah. I messed yeah. up January 3rd. I was like, January 3rd, 2023. Nope. Um, That's, you can give yourself a few days grace, I think. Totally. Sure. It was on a Polaroid though. So it just made it look oh. really ugly when I scribbled it out. It was a good one. So it sucked. <laughs> Next one would be better. <laughs> um, but uh, I started my apprenticeship with this. Wow. I haven't actually ever talked about my apprenticeship publicly or because it was kind of a weird not great experience and i think i had a really negative outlook on it until until recently and i think it's because i was just really angry like we said i was angry for a long time i'm not angry anymore but um i don't know i think i just endured a lot of, of treatment that i didn't I didn't realize at the time was not okay. I thought that's just how it is. That's how the industry is. I better get used to it. I didn't realize that I actually had power to stand up for myself and set boundaries and do all of those things. And um, that wasn't a known thing back no, then. No, no, no. When I started apprenticing, we were in a private studio. I was working under this artist and he didn't teach me much, to be honest. The very first tattoo that I ever fucking did was on one of his ex-girlfriends and I remember like holding the machine and I was so nervous and I was pulling a line and I was so scared and you know he'd come over and be like what the fuck is that and I would be like I don't know you tell me I I literally don't know you know and he'd be like all right listen I'm going down to get some cigarettes with blah 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 by the time I come back you better have started the shading and shit like that where like we didn't practice on fake skin we didn't practice on fruit i literally did my first fucking tattoo on one of his ex-girlfriends and i was expected to i don't know it it, that's how it started that was the first you know wow but then it went into things like one another artist came to the private studio we worked and started working with us and this dude treated me with fucking kindness and he taught me shit and he calmly explained shit to me and i remember my mentor saying to me like i said to him one day i was like hey i googled why this is happening and blah 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 and he was like don't you ever ask anyone anything i am your mentor your knowledge comes from me you don't take any information from other people and blah 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 and and i don't know i don't know it it got to a point where we went from the private studio to opening our new uh, a new shop like we opened a shop while i was still apprenticing and I started getting really busy, like more booked out than some of the other artists. And he would say shit to me like, you wouldn't be so booked if people knew what you look like without makeup on. Oh, God, dude. Type of shit. And 
now I think it's now like that I'm now that I'm an adult because even if you're grown up you're you're not an adult I feel like I became an adult like a few months ago really mm. before you realize how powerful you are you accept the things that people say to you right and for a long time I think I let those hurtful things change how I felt about myself and I'm not mad at him anymore because I realized I had the choice whether to let that in my long-term memory or not, right? Like they're just words and, yeah. and I allowed them to mean something to me because I wanted something so bad, you know? And, yeah. um, but that kind of shit happening so much, so much that it was such a bad place for me to be in because I was literally I'd go into work with my tail between my legs and you know it, it was a shitty it was just shitty why would you ever yeah. want to make anyone feel like that yeah. ever insecurity it's it's yeah it's insecurity and it's projection but it's fucked up it's fucked it up, is dude. fucked up and and they know I feel like it's these men who are in desperate need of a power role I mean not not just men anybody um but you know they're like in a desperate need of like being in power. And I think it's just like they need that validation for themselves that they're powerful because they feel the opposite of themselves. Mm -hmm. And they put again, projection, projecting, projecting that onto you and, yeah. and trying to bring you down when you're starting to be popular. And I feel like that is such, unfortunately, a common thing. I think more common back then. I think it's yeah. getting a little better now. People are like, okay, no, we don't have to take this shit anymore. But um, I, I'm just like you. I feel like maybe just last night, I'm like, fuck it. Like, it is just words. People are, people are just remember. Insecure. Remember what I told you last night? It's like, it's like voodoo, right? It's only powerful if you give it power, right? Like you have to you have to make something powerful. You have to give that energy to it to, for it to come alive. And if you don't give it energy, it's not going to fucking happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, I feel like it's easier in retrospect too, but like when you're in the moment, especially when the culture of the tattoo industry at the time was like, that's how it is. And you have to take this. Um, I even can think back, back, back when I was in, in music and doing drum corps stuff and just getting treated like horribly. And I remember just saying like, oh, like this is how it is. I didn't think like, oh, I don't have to take this, you know? And I didn't really like think about it until later. I was like, yeah, that was, that was really fucked up, you know? Yeah, hardship. And the truth is what doesn't kill you does make you stronger. And But it should change you in the right way, right? You should never leave a person or a situation worse than you found it, right? Is that the saying? Always leave someone or something better than yeah. how you found them, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, when I left that horribly toxic shop that I was in, obviously, my mentor did all this wildly hilarious shit, whatever. Um, but I really believe that the universe, the universe gives you what you deserve, but it also gives you what you give it. Like when you still retain a positive attitude and, and you retain gratitude and you're thankful for all of the good things and you focus on those on those things. Dude, the universe loves gratitude. It's going to come back in, in ways and it's up to you to recognize those ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like from that shitty situation I was in, mm -hmm. I at the time was um, dating my ex. His name is Josh. We um, 
I was like, well, what am I going to do? I can't be in this situation. And he's like, fuck it. We, at the time, were hoarders, literally. Like, there should have been a fucking TV show about us. We had a problem. We were, like, hoarders, uh, like, going to antique stores and yard sales and, like, getting all this weird, cool shit. And so we opened up an oddities parlor that was half, you know, oddities parlor, half private studio. And it was a really amazing thing for me because I hit the fucking jackpot, dude. And in that small town in Pennsylvania, I had two groups of girls, two separate friend groups of girls that were my clients, right? Like this friend group was my, were my clients and this friend group were my clients. And at the time, um, well, not just at the time, I fucking strongly believe the universe gives me the clients I need when I need them. I swear to God, like the universe has put people in my chair that I have connected to more deeply than people I've known for 30 fucking years. Like, and I know in that moment we're supposed to be together. And so during that period, these two groups of girls, um, they trusted me. They supported supported me they were excited about my art like Mm. i was like there's no girl tattooers in that fucking town yeah so i found a void i found a hole in the market that no one was providing these types of tattoos at all Mm. and so and what so what kind of tattooing was it at that point um the same stuff i'm doing now honestly i looked back at those years specifically these two groups of girls and um I really like the tattoos a lot. I forgot how much I loved that old style. Um, but I did something for them and they did something for me. And we almost understood each other because no one tattooed like that. And the people I've experienced so far would never trust me enough to do my art yeah. on them, you yeah. know. But the best thing about it was the first group of girls worked at Ulta, right? So they're all these like hot, like gorgeous chicks that worked at Ulta that were fucking billboards for my art to all of the you know women going to buy these products and everything mm-hmm. that would see these girls with the wristlets on their hands so mm-hmm. that blew the fuck up yeah I okay bet. and then wow. the other group of girls that i tattooed were all of these like smoke show like smoking hot um uh strippers right yeah. basically yeah and they were fun as hell cool as fuck they were super comfortable letting me experiment and do all kinds of cool drapey like beautiful things on their Mm. bodies and then they were a billboard nude for me yeah you know like my billboard as they would you know dance and every you know and everything and um it was the best advertising i could have ever had yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah Is that around when like people started recognizing your work? Like, when do you feel like was a moment where you're like, okay, people are seeing what I can do? Uh, To be completely honest, I think I blew up for a second in the very beginning of my career. Um, Because when I first started tattooing, I was dating Josh Balls. And at the time, um, he was in this band called Motionless and White. Mm. And... I would go on tour with Josh, you know, for weeks or we go for a month or whatever. And I would tattoo people along the road, but I'd yeah. be tattooing these like musicians and shit nice. at the time that Instagram just started. Yeah. And so I was like in that scene for a while, you know, like went mm. to the AP awards and like, you know, wow. he yeah. took me to do all of that cool That's shit. So and Sick. so a bunch of eyes were on me um, 
just for being a part. It was such a subculture. Motionless and White had such a huge following and the fans were like really dedicated and like yeah. mm-hmm. really passionate. And so they were really invested in, in the, you know, the, the guys, the dudes and the, and so I was part of that for a while. And so I sort of gained this, um, all of these eyes on me basically from that catalyst, you know, and then from there I started tattooing, um, like Maria Brink from in this moment mm. and, you know, and so on and so forth. I tattooed, um, D Snyder's family, D Snyder and his whole family. And so Josh brought me into that music realm really, really early on with a lot of really fucking cool people that yeah. just wow. it was the right place at the right yeah, time. Yeah. And yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So it was right kind of from the start too. That that's great because I feel like there's a lot of artists that do really fucking cool work, but it sounds like you are a pioneer in your style too. I guess so. I didn't know at the time. Um, I didn't realize that at the time. And it is, I guess this is why I feel so guilty when I hear like you guys say like, you know, you're the most known artist in the world or whatever, because in one, something that's really frustrating for me is seeing all these tattooers on social media and Instagram that have 1500 followers, 4,000 followers, 8,000 followers. And they're brilliant. And they're fucking brilliant. They're brilliant. Why isn't the world looking at them? Like, yeah everyone's looking at me and I'm here doing my fucking song and dance and I'm doing the best I can, but there's so many artists that are blowing my fucking mind and people should be looking at them. Right. And so it, it makes me feel, I don't know. It makes me feel a little guilty because have Mm -hmm. I worked hard? Absolutely. But a lot of people work really hard and deserve it and they don't get it for some reason. Right. And it's just, it's, it's because it's like for a tattooer and, and to be able to do it all, you have to be a good business person or have a good business person. You need to be a photographer. You need to be a designer. You need to be, um, you know, good social. It's like all of these parts into tattooing that makes you successful. And that's nothing to feel guilty about. Let's talk about survivor's guilt. I feel yeah. like that's almost a touch on that. If you're like, why am I? And all of these, I mean, it's because you worked, you still, you worked your ass off and people could have given all the platforms that you had and still have not made it where they are today. So I hope you don't think for a second that you should feel bad or guilty because you worked your ass off and you're very talented. Thank you for that. So I just want to make that clear. Thank you for that. Um, But I want, I kind of, I kind of want, but I kind of want my life to be like at the end of Mean Girls where the crown's broken up into a bunch of little pieces <laughs> and they're distributed amongst all of the, you know what I mean? Like, great. It great. should be that so, way. Was that good? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was, it was touching. Like I fucking, that that's the way it should be though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and also, I, can I just say too, it's great. I'm, I'm so glad. And that's why I love doing this podcast with you. That's why I love you as a person is that you are so supportive of other people. And that's something that I, that's why I enjoy conversations. Um, I feel like there's so many people out there and even like people and tattooers who make podcasts and stuff and they spend so much time ripping apart what other people are doing, what, even though it's not hurting anyone or themselves and judging and not being happy for other people for being successful. Dude, hurt people, hurt people. That's what that is. Yeah. Well, and it's not fucking okay, to be honest. Right. If you're going to make a podcast, do a fucking podcast. Do 100 podcasts. 
you don't get on and just talk shit about other people and produce negativity and stir that energy up and put it out into the world. You're, you're not making the world a better place talking shit and putting someone down and putting their art down, putting their it's it's how they price. You are how not, they, it's, it's, it's 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 no one's fucking business, yeah. to be honest. It just means you need to, I think, focus on yourself more. on yourself, dude. Yeah. On, you focus on yourself, mm-hmm. like on yourself. If you're that worried about what someone else is doing, it's striking a chord within yourself that you're doing something wrong or you're jealous or you're you're. You know, that's that's within you. But I absolutely do not fucking support using this platform and using this like beautiful thing we have going to get on and talk shit on other people. It's never okay. Well, I think it goes back to like what you were saying about about your mentor. It all comes from a place of insecurity, you know, totally. And and even him, like I could like totally come on here and be like this motherfucker did all these fucking things because that was just the beginning. Those are that was the beginning. Yeah. But it doesn't fucking matter. I'm not here trying to trash him. I'm not here trying to blah, 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 blah. These things happen to me and I don't feel bad talking about them because even that story, it was so long ago. It's 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 more of a story of hope, meaning like those things happened to me and it was up to me how I survived and yeah. what I did with them and what I became. And it's up to you whether, you know, is it going to be an obstacle or a tool? Yes. Right. It yeah. w- I thought it was an obstacle, but it wasn't, dude. It was a fucking tool. So I'm actually grateful. Like, thank you for teaching me what I will never be. Thank you for showing me an example of everything that is going wrong with with not just you know tattooing, but with fucking society. You never break someone down to build yourself up. That is never yeah. going to work to your advantage. Yeah. I feel like a great lesson to learn with that, with those situations is like what you won't accept in the future. It's almost like being in a bad relationship when somebody treats you a certain way and you're like, okay, now I know I'm not going to be in another relationship where I'm treated like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also want to like note that we've, we've all experienced insecurity and jealousy and yeah, you know, I, I have not been perfect my whole life but i think just recognizing it and trying your best and growing that is i think everybody needs to do that everybody has done some shit dude feeling those things no one i've even had a little bit of a problem to be honest with this cancel culture like Mm -hmm. somebody makes a mistake and they get a death sentence Mm -hmm. that's not teaching them anything you're yeah. fighting hatred with hatred and and they're not growing and evolving and you're not changing the trajectory or showing them how to be. You're just bullying yeah. the bully. And I don't think that um, everything just goes away. Like if you say, I'm sorry, poof, that doesn't mean it goes away. But right. Because well, they don't well, disappear off the face of their if they're still living each day. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, too, you also have to just allow people room to grow, yes. you know, because. Yeah, it's just what makes you, in in my opinion, and there have been some things going on in the last few years in the you know tattoo community with people doing and saying stupid shit, dude. Right? Yeah. Do you know how much stupid shit I have said and done in moments of ignorance? Where same, same. Thank God it was never recorded, and for those people, it was. And like, I'm not saying everyone should go around saying all this weird shit. We make mistakes. And, and you feel guilty about it afterwards. But for some people, those mistakes are echoed over and over and over. And it's up to those people to be vulnerable and share with the world 
why they were why they were wrong, right? Yeah. Why they were wrong. Yeah. Why that was wrong, why that was incorrect. And for me, it's more rewarding giving someone the opportunity to show you who they really are. Like, do they come around? Do they feel remorse? What message are they sending to the rest of the world? Are they taking accountability? And if they're checking all of those boxes and trying, you can't cancel that person because they're growing. You know, yeah. They're growing still. Yeah. Well, and that's what I was, that's what right. I meant when I said like leave room for growth. Cause I feel like sometimes. And it's always hard to tell if somebody's like genuine on social media, right? But sometimes somebody will put out an apology or whatever, and it could be something that they did years ago and everybody's like, oh, you're only saying that because you got caught, which has its place sometimes, I feel like for sure. But you also have to leave room for the possibility that, especially if it's a situation that happened years ago, it's like, oh, I understand that this wasn't okay. I'll never do it again. I understand that it hurt people. and you have that self-reflection and growth. And then what do you do to counterbalance that that negative ripple that you started? You start a positive ripple and you yeah. contribute something to the world that will change someone's mind for the better after that, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like you don't just remain neutral. You turn it the other way, take it in a, literally the opposite direction and pay it back, you know? Yeah. yeah. Hurt people, hurt people. Hurt right? people, hurt people. Quote of the century. I think it's a Joe Rogan quote. Isn't it? Is it? He's probably said it. It's not for me. (laughs) Or no, it's probably like some really like super famous, like intellectual philosopher. And it's like a known quote. I just heard Joe Rogan say it. And I'm like, no, that's by Joe Rogan. He said it first. It's not. I think Joe Rogan got it from Deanna, actually. That's where I got it. From who? Deanna. Oh, you were the oh, you were the original OG. The, the I was philosopher the first. <laughs> that said, "Hurt people, hurt ne- people." No, next time I come, it says, "Hurt people, hurt people." Deanna, Deanna I get a little tattoo, a quote tattoo by Deanna. I think of Michael Scott in the office. What, what does he say? Uh, you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. It's a Wayne Gretzky quote, but then he quotes himself <laughs> saying it. Yeah. yeah. No, perfect. Well, um, so it's kind of a hot topic right now but you just got done with the season of of ink master yep um we have a very close personal friend who was on this podcast recently that one has been taking a lot of negativity online um i was just i you voted for a different way than it went but i was just curious if you've had to deal with any of that kind of like negativity or backlash from just the whole situation or like how that's been for you since the since the finale like if i deal with negativity and backlash like this season or generally yeah well in in general too yeah and how you deal with that because i feel like it's tough so i've been having a few like really long talks with bobby recently because i think the best thing i can do besides being the most honest uncomfortably honest because bobby's a friend of mine as well so voting against bobby fucking hurts dude the day yeah. i voted the, when i had to eliminate you i fucking cried in the back i told you that like, i know it's, you it's painful and... it sucks <laughs> so but sweet. it's really important for me to be as absolutely sincere as i can no matter what that answer is or what that vote is right yeah and that's important yeah. but for me it was even it's even more important to show my support my personal support to the artists after the competition because no one understands how hard it is psychologically when the cameras shut, when the cameras turn off, right? When the finale ends and everyone sees the winner and turns off their TV and makes their comments, you know, that's when it begins 
for people sometimes. That's when the journey actually begins because you start to question who you really are and, and you do have that survivor's guilt. Like, like, is it really me? Did I really deserve it? I wish it was this other person. You almost, for me at least, you wish it was someone else because it's so much to bear. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's heavy, you know, like they say heavy is the head that holds the crown. Yeah. It, and it is. And Bobby is such a good fucking person. Mm-hmm. Bobby is such a sincere, sweet, genuine person that feels a lot of shit. Yeah. And so he's, he, he's not taking the win lightly. He just wants to make sure in his heart and his soul that he was the right person to win. Right. And so, um, I've been talking to Bobby a lot recently about all the backlash and all of the talks and all of that shit. And it's like, Bobby, if you don't go on the internet and you don't read the comments, does that change your day? Like, is your, is your mm. life going to dramatically shift if you take a day off of reading the yeah. comments? And, and the answer is going to be no, your life's probably going to improve. So why are you reading any of the fucking comments and you're yeah. reading them because you're not sure how you feel about yourself. You're mm-hmm. not sure how you feel about winning yet. It's not like you're going on looking for support. Like you go on and you can scroll through a thousand good comments. And if there's 300 within those thousand that are negative, you're only going to focus on those. Or one. You're looking yeah. for a reason <sighs> yeah. to believe they were wrong, you know? And yeah. so for Bobby, it's like, of course he's deserving. Of course he's in every way what it takes to be an ink master dude his tattoos are fucking incredible and he's incredible and right? he's been incredible and he's been in, he, i've looked up to bobby for a really long time to Same. be honest a really long time and um i think i think it's such a sensitive thing because someone critiquing your art and your your worth in terms of you as an artist is different than somebody critiquing your outfit or your choice of blah 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 or any of that because your art comes from your soul and that's why it's so hard afterwards because the entire world is ripping apart your tattoos and your work and telling you in their opinion if they think you're good enough for you yeah. or not especially most of them who don't do tattoos absolutely or art. absolutely well, and it's and, like yeah. Whose whose opinions actually matter, dude? Yeah, it's your opinion, Bobby. How do you feel about yourself? You know. Well, and I think why it's especially tough for Bobby and any artist that is also like this. But Bobby is so critical of his own work already. Like that that collab <laughs> that they just did that you were showing everyone. Like he he almost he told me like before he saw the photo photo he was like he's like yeah I was gonna tell Deanna that I didn't want to post it because he thought it could be better which is ridiculous right because you saw the picture but that's like how fucking hard he is on himself and so i think when when you're like that to whatever degree when you start to see stuff like that it's just it's tough to it's tough to get past those negative comments you know dude when bobby came and guest spotted with us at elysium he brought this client that he was working on and she was doing this chess piece and he's just casually like yeah just doing this chess piece and i'm looking at this chess piece being like what the fuck you're just casually putting this in with a smile on your face and bobby's like oh you have to see her other work and i'm like oh you did other work on her 
this girl like, you know, pulls her joggers down and, and you know, takes the hoodie off or whatever. She has a full bodysuit by Bobby. Have you seen his full bodysuit? No. Of course you haven't seen it. No one's seen it because he's never taken <laughs> pictures of it. It's a full fucking bodysuit. Both sides. I have pictures and videos on my phone because I went home that night literally and was yeah. staring at it, studying it. You wait till you see this shit. I would love to put it on the internet, but Bobby hasn't premiered it yet. And I guess I can't just post a video of his fucking tattoo if the world hasn't seen it yet. But but when I saw that, I was like, Bobby, dude, what are you doing? And then I realized like to, to what I was thinking to Bobby was, what are you doing? Like, you have to put this on the Internet. Like, do you know how good this is? You This will crush. This will crush. And then I realized that Bobby doesn't give a fuck about a photo crushing on the Internet. Yeah. Bobby gives a fuck about his art. Yeah. He gives a fuck uh, about his art. That's yeah. what he cares about. You know? Yes. Like, and it was cool that he didn't have to post every little piece of it along the process and get the the validation from the internet every single time. Like, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great, Bobby. Oh my God, it's wild. It's not even done. No, Bobby doesn't need any of that. He's waiting until his body of art is body of work is completed to premiere how it should be you know like yeah. he showed me us like hundreds of pictures on his phone that hundreds. he has not posted like, he's like a secret tattooer incredible dude. he's powerful. like powerful he's like a speakeasy tattooer right yeah. like you know he's good <laughs> yeah. but his best shit he like hoards and keeps secret for some reason Ugh. you know he came to my baby's preschool and painted faces with me for a few hours oh my god that's cute it was me arlo jacob sheffield and it was while bobby was guest spotting we all went to the preschool and we painted 53 faces of kids that were under six what? that is cute yeah. you have pictures of that Dude, those oh, yeah. kids are so fucking yeah. lucky Dude, yeah. can you, can but, you it, imagine? but nobody knew it was not an it wasn't it hadn't aired yet that um bobby had won so we couldn't tell anyone so no one knew that he was like the winner the you know yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah so it was such a secret but i'm thinking to myself like oh my god these kids parents are such big fans of ink master if they had only any idea like well now when Bobby they think about there. that or tell the story they're like dude yeah multiple yeah. ink masters yeah. but but anyway it's it's basically the thing is about ink master and i tell people this all the fucking time all the fucking time ink master is such an incredible experience but it's unlike anything you've ever experienced before it's a world and yep. a bubble that you live in for months. It's an alternate reality. Yep. And it's up to you on what you do with it and how you perceive that. For for a lot of the competitors, um, it's one of the coolest things that you can do in your life. Yes. And and the bonds and the connections that you make with other tattooers changes you forever. Yeah. And it's such a specific, such a specific like um situation that you're in that it it's almost like everyone that's competed or has been a part of ink master it's almost like an alumni right an alumni support group of people that understand each other even if you don't know each other all of the way you're yeah. part of some weird club because you all experience the same alternate reality together you know yeah and um i think that uh yeah i think the most important thing for Bobby to remember is that it actually I was just I was thinking of this conversation I had with Bobby and what I told him I told him some fucking crazy story 
you want to hear a crazy story? Tell Do we have me. time? Am I talking over we this have, whole we podcast? Plenty. We have all the time in the world. I don't mean to talk over you guys and like totally, but no, I just thought about this. You're, this you're, is the, about you're the guest you. on the podcast. Yeah, you interview watching. so many people. This is you. So I was talking to Bobby the other day um, because it is important though we all support each other because I have been there. I do know what it feels like. Like we should all talk. We should all support each other, right? Like like all these things like that Bobby has been feeling, it's been such a whiplash because you want to feel happy for yourself, but Bobby feels sad for Freddie and for John. And and so he feels guilty because he loves them and he's questioning whether he's, all of these things right and so um i told bobby about the night that i won ink master right and everyone i'm sure always assumes it's like a fairy tale and for so long people how did it feel to win you know what the truth is you know what happened the night that i won so at the time ink master was filmed the finale was filmed in um that one was in new york city and it was season eight season eight yeah yeah and um i lived in pennsylvania and so i went to new york a few days early um to like you know uh like practice and do the run-throughs and all that yeah and the day that i left for new york it was three days early our um our dog was sick we had a 15 year old rescue little pomeranian and he was coughing kind of weird. And I said to my ex, you know, Josh at the time, I was like, he's not feeling good. I think you should, you know, take him in. So, and then I went to New York for the finale. So the finale day happened. And at the time, the finales in Ink Master were live. Yeah. So live, live. Yeah. Like it's you on the stage and like thousands of people. It's wild. And so... um, my finale, we did a seven hour live tattoo. So we were in there tattooing literally the entire day. And when you're filming and you're tattooing, you're in the world, you're in tunnel vision. Yeah. Yeah. So we finished the tattoo, the show starts, all the people are crowding in. There's thousands of people. And I'm like looking up, trying to find like my family, you know, I'm trying to find my family. And um, I finally look up and found like my mom and my grandma and Josh wasn't there. My ex wasn't there. And right when I realized he wasn't there, I knew something was wrong. And so I'm standing on the stage, you know, and the lights are on and they're talking at you. And in my, my mind is somewhere else, but I'm doing the smile and nod, like what's happening? What is wrong? What is wrong? And every time it would be a commercial break and the cameras would cut, I would, you know, look up to my family and say to my mom, like, mom, where is Josh? Where is Josh? And my mom would go, right, and totally dodge. And so finally I was getting pissed being like, mom, where is Josh? I'm like mouthing this to her. She's like up on this balcony. And my mom's, I heard my mom, I not heard her. I saw my mom go, everything is okay. And I'm like, okay, everything is not okay. Everything is not okay. And so, um, and so, um, like I won and it was this crazy thing and it was like really wild and it was super whiplash because I have this pit in my stomach anxiety about what's going on. Like where yeah. is my boyfriend and, and what's happening? Did he get into an accident? Like whatever. And so the cameras cut and I said to the producers, I was like, I need my phone now. I need my phone now. And like all the newspapers, you know, the cameras are coming and they're trying to take all the photos and doing all everybody get in the group doing the shots and there's confetti and everyone is celebrating And I finally get on the phone with my um, ex and um, I'm like, hey, are you okay? And he is sobbing. 
And here, what had happened was he drove all the way to New York City for the finale, got to the finale, went in with my mom, got to the balcony, got a call from our our vet that our dog was dying. Saw me on stage for a second, (sighs) turned around, drove three and a half hours home, and like literally like spent the night like like holding our dog our dog died died oh my god while i was on stage i swear i can like cry about him but it was <clears throat> it was while i was on stage oh, winning no. and, and if anyone like knows me or knew me then or knew this dog dude this dog was like i feel like in life we have even if you have a lot of dogs you have one special dog right yeah. have you you know what i'm talking about like you have yes. your special dog yes. the one yeah this was our special dog, our special dog, like love of my life, child dog. And so instead of going out and partying and celebrating, there's hundreds of people. All my friends are in New York City. I had a mental fucking breakdown on stage in front of everyone, dude. I crumbled. I went into full hysterical mode. I couldn't fill out the paperwork for the, the money or anything. And went. I was supposed to stay in New York for the next few days to celebrate. I drove home with my family that night and spent the night that I won literally like holding my dog's body. That's how I spent the night that I won. It was, sorry, I'm like crying and emotional. It was really fucked up. And so for the longest time, everyone was so happy for me. But in my mind, it was so traumatic the whiplash of like the best day of my life and the worst thing that could ever fucking happen happened within the same moments. Right. And so in my mind, I couldn't disassociate the two memories. Winning was so closely attached to losing my dog that I started getting these, like this, like phobia, like really paranoid that I like energetically, like I wanted it so bad that I like sucked his soul out of him or something. Like I felt like he, sacrificed his life like his last energy to give it to me so I could win you know and I was so fucked up about it for a while for a really long time really long time and the whole point of the story is the whole point of the story is I promise this story has a point I'm sorry it's going on for so long when I was telling Bobby this the other day I told Bobby that it was hindsight's always 2020 right so looking back I realized It was the best fucking thing that could have ever happened to me. That dog gave me, he left me with the greatest gift of all in those last moments because winning changed my life. It changed my life. In that moment, my life changed. And instead of me going out, getting drunk, getting fucked up, partying in New York City, being an asshole, he made me come home to my family, right? I spent the night with my family, holding my most loved ones, dead ass sober, crying together, being together. And in that night, I realized what's actually important. He brought me the fuck home, you know, like he like made me realize that like you can have everything in the world. You could win Ink Master. You could have thousands of people fucking cheering for you. And it doesn't fucking matter if you don't have you know, the people that you actually love that actually love you. And so he humbled my fucking ass, dude. He humbled me. And he, and he reminded me that like, 
there's nothing that like glory or fame or success are, are ever going to give you or, or, or fulfill you that has to come from within. So like it was the coolest. Yeah. In hindsight, it was the coolest thing I think that he could have left me with is just, all right, bitch, try this whiplash. You can have everything, but like humble yourself. You remember who you are. Like it was cool. Yeah. How powerful. So I, and I told Bobby this story because you know, I wanted him to realize that like, it's the same thing for him. Like people are going to leave comments. People are going to say shit. People are going to have their opinions, but whose opinion actually matters? Like you have a beautiful fucking family. You have friends that love you so much and tattooers that have respected you for 10 years and looked like you're Bobby, you're, you're incredible, you know? And, and so I just wanted to remind him that like, what really matters. What really matters. Like, yes, you won and that's incredible, but don't let it clog your mind. Don't think in your mind you have to be, you have to be everyone's ink master. You have to be someone for these people and these masses. Like people that know you love you, you know, and, and what else matters other, other than that? Like, so nice. I don't know, just a reality check. That you have to have with yourself sometimes. Thank you, you for know? sharing that. Yeah. I've never us. talked about that. Like Jesus Christ, that's usually when I talk about it, I'm like really stoned, like texting it, and so yeah. it's like I've never, I don't know, said that out loud. I think on any, but that's actually that's a real. It, story. It's just a good wow. reminder yeah. for everybody, including myself yeah. too. It's yeah. I feel like such a dork getting emotional about it, but it was well, at the time it was knows. devastating. What? Everybody devastating. knows because because everyone's texting me. Everyone's texting me, freaking out. And I'm literally holding my dog's body. It was traumatic. Like, I could not get the two. But like I said, it's like, yeah, and with the, even with the apprenticeship thing, right? Time heals all in a way where if you can understand what the universal lesson actually is, you're never going to miss out on anything, you know? Both of those things are are like gifts from the universe, lessons from the universe. I'm so fucking happy I learned, you know, like, thank yeah. you for that. All these years later, you know, talking to you has, has been a good reminder that there is there is lessons that you can learn with everything. That's that's tough. Totally. You're like, what has that taught you? Even last night, you're like, what, what did it teach you? Mm-hmm. What is? Yeah such a good reminder you got to see it that way and and even if the lesson unfortunately is what not to do or who not to be or you know someone is setting an example of the you know of a person that you realize wow i feel really it's a yeah it's a good reminder too even because it keeps you on track of who you want to be and and your highest self and yeah so when you won, did you have to deal with any kind of like, was there any controversy surrounding the season where people are like, Gian was and- robbed. And what did we say yesterday? People can say whatever they want to you, but nothing hurts like the truth. And so in my soul, I also felt like, honestly, like Gian's fucking awesome. Gian is awesome. And Incredible my imposter you. syndrome made me feel so long. Like Gian should have won. He should have won. I felt that way. And so it hurts when other people say it because I also believe it. You know what I mean? And, but I tell, you know, it's Ink Master is not a, a, Ink Master is not a competition of who is the best tattoo artist. 
Ink Master is a game that tattooers play. It's methodical. It's yeah. mentally challenging, psychologically challenging, physically challenging sometimes. It's a game that you play, dude. You roll yeah. the dice every time. And if one skull pick was flipped or one canvas was flipped, everything would change. It's, it's the domino effect. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you can go back in time and change, you know, swap two canvases out in the first episode, I guarantee you it would have a different result in, yeah. in yeah. the end. Yeah. You know? I still, one of my, one of the coolest things still is that old school 90s trad chromed out chest, sternum, stomach piece that you did on the finale. God, I hated that I loved it so much. Because I, I was so pissed. I was it. so pissed. I I wasn't pissed at Kelly. I had more respect for Kelly because I was like, wow, you're really playing, aren't you? You're really good there. Um, and I was so bummed that I had to do it. I was so bummed that I had to do that tattoo. And then um, as I started drawing it and as I started designing it, I was like, Dude, this is kind of fun, actually. It's it was like, this is gonna be kind of fire, fun, right? So sick and so different. I would from what you normally do. Like that. That's when I was like, oh fuck, she's she's incredible, dude. I practiced on so many people in Pennsylvania, like '90s new school, um, chrome shit. Um, my best friend Tina has like um, the yin yang of like a flaming eyeball and a gooey eyeball, like. That's sick. To, to practice yeah, the colors, the techniques, yeah. the machines. Like I did probably like five tattoos with the machine, with the inks in the style before I attempted that to make sure like I knew what the fuck I was doing before I even yeah, yeah got into Super that. Smart. And the respect you have for that style, like to learn like really how to get down and dirty with mm -hmm. like all of that. Mm -hmm. It was perfect. Yeah. So and it's it's hard now looking back. I'm sure Every, every artist knows, even if you just look at your work from a few years ago, you see it with clearer eyes now, right? And you would do it differently yeah. now, even just a few years ago. And so when After I every tattoo I do, I think of all the things I could have done differently I know. if I did it two minutes ago. Mm -hmm. Same. Oh, it's constantly. Yeah. Yeah. You always know when something's off, even if you don't know. You just what's don't know right what it is. It. Do you ever try looking at it in a mirror? I mean, I have, I look at it in the mirror when they're up there towards the end, but I didn't think to do it throughout the piece. Whenever I think something is off and I'm not sure what it is, I go, I look at it and, and I really study it. And then I take my client to the mirror, look in the mirror together. Cause mm. when you see the opposite of it, like, you know, when you're drawing on procreate and then you flip it and you realize things are wonky or off, but you yeah. didn't see it yeah. correctly. Um, try that next time. Smart. It'll, it'll be like an instant like oh smart or take a photo of it go you know to the bathroom get a sip of water or whatever come back in a few minutes and look at it as a photo yeah. because you'll see things instantly in photos that you didn't see in the you know tattoo as you were doing it so why smart. am i so clumsy do you see me over here like trying to get my coffee do you have like a <laughs> like a favorite tattoo you've you've ever done ever or mm. a few tattoos that are your favorites? I'm trying to think. There's you, a bunch Diana? that I really, really love. That but... I've done? Probably my Taiwan piece. Really? That one was your favorite out of all the leg panels you've done? Yeah. Yeah. With the, with the tribal bad. bottom? Yeah. 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 Uh, Arlo, Arlo told me that's his favorite of yours too last night. He's, that's it's his so favorite. sick. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It, um, yeah. 
it's crazy. We look at your shit all the time. We like geek out and just look through your Instagram all the time being like, how are we fucking up? Stop. I'm going to go hide. Let's go see how not good we are compared to Deanna. We like, Go well, we root you on, though. We don't go on being like, this bitch. <laughs> we go on being like, look at this. Look at this. Some inspo. With yours, I'm like, this bitch. <laughs> this bitch. How the fuck did she do this? <laughs> Adderall. <laughs> it's always I'm now. excited to do a collab with you. I um, thought you were about to say I'm excited to do Adderall. I thought that was coming out of your mouth. It was like... <laughs> Collab, and that's what collab, I need to do collab, to do a collab with you. You know, I'll, I'll yeah. do whatever. No, me too. I too. I'm I'm stoked, dude. I haven't done a collab since, um, the last time I did the London convention. How long ago was that? Four years? Yeah. No, five years. I haven't done a collab in five years. I'm stoked. It's gonna be cool. We gotta start designing. Maybe that'll be your yeah. favorite tattoo that you've ever done. You can't set the bar that high. That's like I said, maybe. That's really maybe that is true. That is true. I was like, oh my god, it's too much pressure just hearing that. I can't even entertain that thought. <laughs> there's no, there's no way it's not going to be like ridiculous though. We'll we'll make sure it's sick. Yeah, I know you have ideas too. I'm gonna send you some cool stuff. I've just been just pretty things to look at. See if it like sparks yeah. anything in you. And we'll send some stuff back and forth. Yeah, and we have to find a client. Well, <laughs> so I think a lot of people want to know like, what's your <clears throat> like day-to-day life like now how often do you tattoo because yeah. you filmed in, in oh, a while ago you have yeah. a baby you have a you're family you're yeah traveling yeah master everything that's, that's life right now life for the past little bit it's honestly been pretty um pretty overwhelming i wish i had a like more positive answer but it's been a lot um when i tattoo and i do soon have to break out of this habit of the way that i tattoo because it's not correct it's not healthy it's not cool anymore. I'm 36 years old. But, you know, when Arlo and I and, and some others in our shop, the way we tattoo basically is we'll tattoo for 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours straight, mm. multiple days in a row. Mm. And it's not good. It's not good for us. For some people or for 24-year-old Ryan, it was great. You know, my body is fucking killing me. So I have to change that. But yeah until i can break the cycle uh i tattoo either two or three days a week um but they're usually back to back and they're like you know between 12 and 16 hour days three days in a row you're a Um, monster even when you were like belly this big one of our clients said you were tattooing all night when you're pregnant i got that tattoo chair that has the hump in the middle so my belly would literally rest on the (laughs) hump in the middle of the stool i tattooed until i was over seven months pregnant and the only reason i stopped is because covid shut us down Mm. i was scheduled i was scheduled literally up until the week before i was gonna give birth i was i was large i was a large it was a large thing to have to maneuver around. Um, oh, my God. But, yeah, it, it's hard because Arlo and I, um, we're balancing a lot because being a tattooer is so all-encompassing. It's hard to be anything other than a tattooer. Yeah. And so we're cramming on being a tattooer, being business owners, being parents, mm. um, we're hosting a ton of guest artists and visitors and all of that. Mm. And we're stretched really thin these days. And so I, I have one design day. That always gets forfeited with business meetings and, you know, bullshit 
you know, that's also always the sacrificial day, which and that's is the worst with the client or just to design your stuff to for design. The, yeah. For the, it takes me a full time. day to get my like one full day to get my designs done. Cause the stencils take so fucking long. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, and then two or three days of tattooing and then business meetings, brainstorming, zoom, all of this adult stuff that I really don't want to do. I don't want to do it. And we've been having, you know, conversations over the last few days about, um, you know, the work-life balance and how you balance running a business and being a tattooer. And the truth is, I don't know if you could do both successfully 100% of the time. Yeah. I think you have to kind of, for me at least, I have to focus 100% on something that I want to be good if I really want it to be good. Like I can't half-ass yeah. design and tattoo and half-ass do business at the same time. It's, it's two very separate entities. Yeah. And um, so we're trying to f- rework our system and our studio a little bit right now and um, pull in some more members, pull in some more team members. We need help because Arlo and I have been doing, Arlo's been working on the church pretty exclusively for the last few years and he's about to lose his goddamn mind and so i came on you know recently like hard um about six months ago eight months ago now and tried to start taking over and it's like i don't know business Mm -hmm. i'm i'm a smart person i I believe i'm an intelligent person but business is a whole animal a whole nother animal yeah you know, people have like master's degrees in business. Like people professionally do this for a lot of money. It's it's not something easy to figure out. Yeah, that's um, why I, I got him. Yeah, well, you guys are the, you guys are like fucking Bonnie and Clyde, dude. I do not have a master's degree by any means in business, but, but what no, I have had is, is business time side. to figure it out. Yeah, when I'm not having to tattoo. 16 hours a yeah. day or stencil hours a day yeah you know it's just i i tell everybody this i know what i do on a daily basis i know what a tattooer does on a daily basis there's no possible way that we can do both so when tattooers talk to me about opening a shop i i almost like i almost like don't recommend it to tattoo artists unless you have a strong support system of people that are fucking willing to put in that work because it's yeah. a it's a lot of work you know yeah and like we were you know having a conversation yesterday about how like when i first started coming into tattooing tattoo shops were owned by tattooers and then you know other people started opening tattoo shops that weren't tattooers and it got a bad rap for a second like they're not a tattooer they own a shop you know uh, and that's all i heard the only i didn't have my own opinion that's just the opinion that i heard yeah and the truth is is Other people should be owning and running shops that have different types of brains and mentalities than us artists have. There has to be someone who can focus fully, like it's full focus on, on, on all of these things. Like it has to be, I'm not saying tattooers can't own shops. Obviously we own a fucking shop, but I'm saying like, you can't do it all. If you want everything to be successful, you have to have that focus. Yeah. And I, and I, and I agree, I think, and we've talked about this before on the show a little bit, but I think like what you also need, if if people are going to be involved with running your studio was that those people need to have really deep appreciation for the, the industry and the artwork. And they need to understand that the artists are, are the priority. It's not, it's not a money-making machine, you know? So their, their best interest has to be in the back of your mind whenever you make decisions. And I think when you're not like that and when people 
they just they're just out to make money or whatever it is. That's when they get a bad rap because I think especially artists are very like, I feel like you're just intuitive when it comes to personalities mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You can you can see through that super easily, you know. And so that's when I think people come in and artists don't fuck with them because they can tell they don't have their best interest at heart. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I agree totally. And um, I think that um, you know people are realizing that artists are we're assets, man. We're, we're, we're the, we're the, it's the most important it's thing, the most important thing that, you're, that your artists are happy and well taken care of and, and all of these things. And it, it is a, like we've discussed before, tattooing these days, you don't just show up to a shop and do a tattoo and leave. Yeah. That's not what your job is anymore. You have to be your own fucking social media person. You have to be your own videographer. You have to be your own brand, your own, but we're not all built for that. And right. we don't all want yeah. that. Well, you know, yeah, but imagine if that is all you had to do because you had other people well, to exactly, help out. And that's what we've exactly. tried to do here at Eden. And that's why, that's why I think it's super beneficial, especially when you go to studio ownership, because that's every tattoo artist really owns their own business in a sense. But when you get to studio ownership and you're dealing with all these other people, like that's really where like, it's too much for one person to do well, in my opinion. I mean, there, I'm sure there are people out there that do it well, but I don't understand how you could do both at a consistently really high level without a lot of help. Absolutely. And it does too depend on like what your, what your goals are. You know, Arlo and I um, did a guest spot at at Bang Bang um, a couple of months ago and we were blown away by how fucking streamlined it was and how well they treated us. And people have all kinds of opinions on how everyone else runs their business. Right. But we experienced that shop firsthand and had an amazing, we had an amazing experience to be honest. Yeah. And then coming here and seeing you guys running things similarly in terms of efficiency and like everything is a a well-oiled machine with lots of moving parts and everyone works together to achieve these things and makes it happen. And, you know, it's, it's shops like this, you know, we came down here to like peek behind the curtain and, and see how it's all going because it is inspiring. You're, you're providing a work environment for tattooers where they do get to still come in and just be a tattooer because everything else they need to be, you know, y'all have taken care of those things for them. And so it's, it's very cool. Yeah. It's cool that you guys wanted to come check it out. Yeah, and it's, it's great to see the research you're doing. Like yeah. if anyone ever has like, I don't know, I think of so many tattooers and just people in any industry and they're like, uh, you know, like, I don't like the way this person's doing this or like that, you know, and we, we talked earlier about like, maybe that means you need to like work, work on stuff. Yeah. Um, if we, we all need to be doing this, doing our research, traveling around, seeing like what other people are doing and, and just absorbing and learning and trying to grow. Like that is, that is, you are representing what you should be doing yeah. when you want to grow. Yeah. And I think equally beneficial is seeing what, what, what doesn't work. You know, cause you can, yes. you can, it goes both ways. And we've, we talked about this a little bit before on the show with guest spots and you've talked about, you know, take advice from people who are where you want to be. Yes. And I think you can take advice from both sides, right? You can see, you can take what some people are doing and you're like, okay, they're on something there. And you can see what some people are doing. And you're like, I don't think that works at least for me, or I don't think it works in general or whatever it is. Yeah. And I think both are equally important. I mean, I've been, I've been saying to you, you know, a few times to you guys over the last few days, you know, that Instagram quote that I think about all the time and it's, um, people at the bottom compete and people at the top collaborate. Yeah. And I just really believe that like 
if you have information or if you figured it out and you have your system or whatever, like there's no reason to hoard it. Yeah. And like, you know, you have your thing and, and you're just not going to tell anyone ever it's your formula. Like, no, because we have the power to like literally link together, network together, change the trajectory of the industry, raise tattooing to a level that it has never been raised before. And, and there's power in numbers. Like, yeah. why are we why are we fighting each other? Like, are we afraid of what? Like this person's going to what? <laughs> well, yeah. And I think it Draw has the been. same roses I drew. Like, yeah. who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I think it has been that insecurity for so long. And I think I think it's changing a lot where people are starting to realize their strength in numbers. And I think there's when you don't gatekeep information and you and you try to share it and you want everybody to just win together, I think that's what has the real potential to like really elevate the industry to a place where it hasn't been before. Cause there's strength in numbers. It's teamwork. If we can all build each other up and just all take the quality of what we're doing, what our studios are, and just raise it, then that's that's only going to elevate the perception of the industry. There's going to be more money, more clients to go around for everybody. It's like, it can only be a good thing. And like, I keep thinking recently too about like, wouldn't it be amazing if every client was matched with their exact perfect tattooer? Like, I wish there was some sort of like, honor system where like you know if i get an email for a tattoo and it's something i don't really want to do like i'd be like you know who would fucking probably really love this though and take the extra 30 seconds to recommend that person from a yeah. different shop yeah but if everyone did that for each other took an extra second to link clients with the tattooer that would actually do a better job even if that comes down to you turning projects down because you know someone else would do a better job yeah, you know, hopefully it would come back to you and you would get one, you know, sure, but yeah, it, it, I don't know. I just love when people help each other and, and realize that like, you know, and that means yeah. you're doing something right because yeah. you built yourself. You have that confidence in yourself that you're not afraid of something being taken away from you. Yeah. And I, that's a good place for everyone to be. Absolutely. Um, in the next few months, um, I have this client. Her name is Amber. She's fucking cool. She's really cool. I tattooed like little castles all around her throat. Um, and she's a tattooer. And um, when she came to get tattooed, I was looking through her portfolio and I noticed she did a lot of jewelry stuff. Right. Mm. And she's like, she's like, I just started. I'm really inspired by you. Like I, you know, I, I take a lot. I've learned a lot from watching your work and I study it and it's helping me a lot. You know, she came from a street shop with, you know, more traditional old school, like mentors that, you know, aren't her next step in terms of like facilitating, like her style developing in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, when we posted out recently that we were looking for artists, um, she applied and I thought to myself, like, holy shit, this girl is, is she's a great tattooer. And I see so many things she's doing in her jewelry tattoos that I used, that I used to do. And I think with like a couple like long sit downs, I could like help her tweak things, change things. And I think her tattooing is going to change entirely. So we devised this idea basically where she's going to now come to Elysium and we're going to work together. I'm going to like, I'm going to train her in, not as an apprentice. She's already a great tattooer, but like artistically really tweak her, Mm. her technique and her skill set to kind of bring her under my wing and give her these fucking secrets I've been working on for five years because they shouldn't be a secret anymore. I'm not going to tattoo forever. I'm not going to be able to tattoo forever. So why am I hoarding this shit? 
And so she's going to come be a part of our team. And um, yeah, I, I have so many clients that want to get tattooed by me in this specific jewelry style that I can't, I'm just one person. I can't yeah. do all of them, you yeah. know? And so bringing her in and teaming up together and being like, let's do this together. All right, come on, help. I need help, you know? And, and being able to to give your style away and know that, you know, I figured it out. Maybe I pioneered it. Who fucking knows? I didn't think I was doing that at the time. I was just drawing what I knew, you know, but um, you want to like, you know, kiss it and like wish it off and hope that it has a good future and that the ball you started rolling turns into be a giant snowball and that, but you have to have like trust in other people to allow that to happen, you know, and you know, you pass so much information on with all the seminars and everything you guys are doing. And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's expanding all of our minds, right? Like it's, yes. and yeah. it's, and it pushes you to get better. People are like, well, it, and, and I have trouble too once in a while and it's my own insecurity. I'm like, fuck, I tried this. I worked so hard to do this. Now everybody is doing it. Um, it just means that now I have a new goal and a new place to go and I have something to do and it's not boring. I need to get better. When everybody else starts getting to a higher level, it should just make you inspired because yeah, it wakes you now up. the bar is has rose again. You got to figure more shit out. How boring would it be? So boring. If you just stayed where you are and it's, everybody else did too. It's just an indicator that it's time for the next evolution and yes. you get to choose what your next version is going to be. You know, yes. you get to choose what direction you go in. You know, you're not, you're not, you haven't hit the ceiling and that's fucking cool. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it's cool though, as a teacher, like if you could potentially teach someone to be better at you, that at something like that's, that's the epitome of being a teacher right there. I feel like that's, that that's, that's being the maybe the difference between a, a great tattoo and being legendary when I, maybe that's it. Legendary. I think of legendary as a word being like something that, um, is eternal, like yeah. whether it's knowledge yeah. or who you are, like being passed down to others and others, like something just living on. Um, I, I think that's, that's fucking cool. Well, it's a ripple that you create and you want it to echo into eternity. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you yeah. want to create a big enough ripple that it, it actually means something. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, how you actually make an impact you know yeah. it, it's with tattooing i think it's it's the work that you do it's oh, it's changing so much it's changing so much so it's it's hard to say where it'll go but it i think it is up to us and people like us and you know other tattooers to um set the new standard like raise the bar for tattooing it is a fine art it is it's yeah. one of the hardest fine arts in the world and it should be you know one of the most respected yeah and it brings people together it's therapy it's all of these amazing incredible things so i think um it's celebrated but i think um i think it's just going to be a part of a strong part of culture yeah. and, and in the future and yeah, unless totally. the fucking robots take over and like so mid journey designs the tattoo and like robot <laughs> like you have like tattoo bot like imagine if this just had a tattoo needle on it right and you mm-hmm. just like stick your arm under it in your living room mm-hmm. and it just does tattoos for you and you're well so i was actually going to ask i'm sure you've seen like the videos of that new black dot company that's doing that 
putting like the small tattoos on people. Okay, that's just the first evolution. Soon that's going to be like portraits and crazy shit. Yeah. It's going to be was, like a printer. Yeah. I was going to ask how you feel about that. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking lame. It's lame. Because it's not art anymore. You're just you're just wearing a bodysuit. Yeah. It's boutique and forever 21. Yeah. It's boutique. And, and I can't wait for like... I can't wait to find out what the new it's they're going to be like selling tattoos designs like wallpapers, you know, like screensavers. I can't wait for you to go through like the AI catalog and people like choose the same one and you show up to a bar and it's like a full leg sleeve. That's exactly the same because it was just printed on perfectly. Like it takes the fucking love out of it. It takes the soul out of it. And I really think that tattooing is a really strong energetic exchange of emotion between client and tattooer and it's trust and it's human connection and those are the yes. things that we're gonna fucking lose really soon if we don't like yeah you know well i i feel like there will always be clients that they they want that um i the technology's there not there yet so i can't like say for certain but i know just being a collector being tattooed by the people i have been like i would one million times rather be tattooed by a person than stick my arm in a machine and like have even even a perfect tattoo you know like i i want that i love to that experience that it. human connection but it's not even what the tattoo looks like it's every single time you look down at your tattoos and you look at the work that's on your body you as the collector you don't see the art you see the experience you absolutely. remember that day absolutely you remember what you what you talked about you remembered the the whole experience that someone gave you it's a memory for you it's like a you know a storybook of your fucking life and so with with those robot fucking tattoos your memory is going to be like what a doctor's visit an operation that's not a doesn't leave you changed it doesn't leave you better right and and i think I, i hope that people realize like my clients at least know that um dude Sometimes I've had some of the most pivotal cornerstone life changing moments with my clients because tattooing brought us together in a world where we probably otherwise would not have met. And we were able to exchange this information in such a vulnerable, intimate way with trust. And it allows you to connect to people on a level so deeply. So sometimes that it, it, it changes you. It does. Yeah. Like, so many perceptions I have on uh, reality, opinions I that I no longer have, that I thought I had, et cetera, have been changed by conversations I've had with clients at two o'clock in the morning after getting tattooed for, you know, it's, yeah. it's probably the most rewarding, fulfilling part of tattooing. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think just like, just the people that you meet, I met. Deanna, not because I was getting tattooed by her, but I was getting tattooed in the same studio that she was at. We met Ian because he was a client of Deanna's like from the very beginning when she was an apprentice. So you never know like who's going to be in your chair. And even as a client, you you never know how that person is going to change your life because it's more than just yeah. the piece. You know? And and for us as tattooers, like, you know, obviously I met Arlo, um, my husband Arlo through doing events doing crazy shit together and we met and and i wouldn't imagine life any other way but us as tattooers are such a family and such a close you know close network that i was just telling you guys this weekend i'm like are you guys going to europe where do you want to go are you going to germany you're going here i have friends here i have friends here you know you guys have friends here the tattoo community is is 
all over the entire world That's and awesome. everyone supports the not everyone but a lot of people support the fuck out of each other yeah and it and it's it's this i don't know like tattooers are like this like mycelium network all over the world where we could bounce back and forth between each other's shops and like you know if you want to work in spain this week go work in spain i guarantee you can find a client easy yeah. instantly uh, right like, oh, you show awesome. the fucking here go here and um you know tattoo shops we take each other in we help each other we fucking yeah maddie and i um my manager maddie and i one night got accidentally stuck overnight at some airport and we were freaking so bummed about it because we had the baby with us and all oh. this shit and i got an airdrop on my ipad i was on the plane on my ipad and i got an airdrop that was a screenshot from someone on the plane and i opened it and the screenshot was like hey i hope this isn't totally totally weird i'm not trying to freak you out i just overheard you guys like talking about you don't know what you're gonna fucking do and you have the kid and she was like I know you because I'm a tattooer. I own a shop here. We have an extra room if you Whoa. wanted to come. She's like, she's she's like my you know um, husband's going to be picking me up. She had like an eight year old with her. My husband's going to be picking us up. You guys are welcome to crash. I'm not trying to be weird. Just offering wow. support. And I was like, how Whoa. fucking that is lucky so cool. are we yeah, as yeah, tattooers? Yeah. Like, like oh my god that we recognize each other and like accept each other as family like you know we don't know each other we've never met but but you're there for each other yeah and uh, that is so awesome we're yeah. really fucking lucky yeah you know i wow. feel like one thing the ai stuff might do too is it might even um make your it, it might attract better clients too because you know if you could pick between somebody who just wants a cool tattoo versus someone who like wants a, a Ryan Ashley piece, you know, unless you start selling your designs to the machine. I don't know if you would do that, but like they, they are wanting like a piece of artwork from you because it's you and that's not replicable, you know? And right. so it's going to maybe have some clients fall away that don't really care about that actually. And it's going to leave room for only the people that are like seriously, like want to collect yeah. a human piece of art. It's yeah. the same with people and, and clothing or cars or whatever. It depends on what you care about. For me, like, I particularly don't, I I get all my shit from Fashion Nova. Um, Amanda, she loves designer, one of a kind, unique. Like, there's people that are going to want designer tattoos and collect artwork. People, you know, if they want art on their wall, they can get it printed out at a Hobby Lobby or they can go and get an original painting from somebody. Yeah. There's always going to be someone that really appreciates. Well, especially in the future, this might be weird for some people, but I think there will be services where like you can have your family members like um, with bodysuits and shit like preserved for the yeah. tattoo museum for art exhibitions. Like I feel like in the future, people are going to literally have their artwork. Yeah preserved they've already started like, that's already like a thing. Yeah, yeah totally if you're into that yeah. you know yeah i want to be well, we'll talk about we'll talk about death plans we'll talk about i was i was about to tell you what i want to happen to my remains plan? after i die i want to know we Go found the, we, did you guys see those things on the internet that are a fucking it's a tree with like a sack on the bottom they basically put your body in the sack and plant the tree and the tree grows and grabs its nutrients and everything from your body so you literally like that's feed dope. this tree that becomes you after your death isn't that fucking cool are you gonna do that but instead we're burying our our loved ones in wooden concrete boxes restricting them from the fucking earth where they came from just 
keeping their soul in a fucking box for eternity. I do not believe in cemeteries. Just throwing that out there. I think we should go back to the earth. I think we should go back to the earth. We are organic, animated. doesn't matter if you're religious or spiritual or whatever, blah, blah, any of that shit. We are organic. We came from the earth. We belong to the earth. It's, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And we need more trees planted. So if everyone became a fucking tree, could... It's cool. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm down. Sorry to offend that anyone that's into too. cemeteries. Yeah, there are some morticians out there that are going to be really bummed. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I want Bo and Sam to be a tree. Mortician stock just tanks funeral homes. This. I made my funeral playlist the other day on Spotify. Should I make it public? <laughs> yes. That'd After this podcast. I want to jam and out. if you want to listen to my funeral playlist, I'll put a link in the... <laughs> I would really I've thought I've had this thought for a while. I would really love it if people just had like a fucking like party when I died. Like be sad for like you, if I die before Dude. you do. You could be like sad for like 30 seconds and then if I oh. like live my life correctly, like I hope that everybody's like, "Dude, this guy had an awesome life." Dude, Let's my my friend Steve died a few years ago and he had ALS for 2 years and it was fucked up fuck als for real like all the t-shirts that say fuck als it really is a motherfucker but he knew he was gonna die for like two years and this motherfucker went out like such a gentleman he planned his own funeral it was a celebration of life celebration of life he planned it um uh, chose a location made his own playlist da, 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 da. he planned his own fucking party Ugh. and it was like and it was it was sad, of course, but it was, he wanted us, all of us to come together and just be together and laugh and talk about shit and go through all of the good and, and celebrate all of those amazing things. Because for him and his life, that might've been the last time that, you know, that specific group of people, his group of people would all be together. You yeah. Know? And so just like you said, like he did that. Like he planned That's it and so he gave us a dope, fucking dude. party. And now when I, you know, when, when I think of him, when I think about him, I think like, man, that motherfucker, like his last one was like, his last rager was a good one. You know, That's like so he dope. left us with, yeah, a really, it was inspiring. Yeah. It was inspiring. Yeah, he totally, went out like a dude. gentleman. Yeah. Like it was very cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So let's all make playlists. Funeral playlist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I figure out if I start mine now, it'll be really perfected by the time I actually die. You know, mm. might take a while, but just a running list. Yeah. Let's yeah. all start now. Send us your uh, playlist for your funeral. We're curious too. What do you funeral guys playlist. do? It's intimidating trying to put them in order because it's like, what mood do I want to put people in? Right. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. Because I guess for some people, it, it I don't know. Would it just be like stuff that you listen to or like, are you trying to set the mood for your funeral? Because if I put out stuff that I just listened to, Deanna would be like, this party sucks. I'm going to have WAP on no. mine. <laughs> WAP, WAP. Yeah. But that's the, that's the, that's the final song. That's yeah. Like the... No, I think your funeral playlist, you know how in life you go through chapters, like chapters in your life, right? Like during, from this period to this period, life was real weird. This is what you listen to from this period to this period. Mm. And so for me, it's been like, you know, my favorite songs from when I was 16, my favorite song I replayed in my old apartment over and over, my favorite song that reminds me of my blah, blah, blah. It's like those that. like memory songs that yeah. have like scent attached to them that's and dope. like nostalgia, you know? Yes. Yeah, that's One cool. One of those songs yeah. where like, you know, like 
I was in the car. Like I, I know exactly yeah. what I was listening to summer after 10th grade when I started driving for the first time in the summer, driving around in the daylight. I remember like the Death Cab for Cutie songs I was listening <gasps> to. Was it, was it, um, transatlanticism? Transatlanticism. Dude, Arlo and I have been listening to a lot of Death Cab for Cutie recently. We saw them recently. It was really? Really? Uh, yeah. Sounds yeah. just like. No, they're still playing? Yeah, they put on a really he good show. Really? I think it was like they, their 10th anniversary a, show. Nope, yeah. 20th anniversary 20th of Transatlanticism oh, yeah. and Don't Give Up oh, by Postal so Service. Dope. Yeah, and they, and they played both albums like, oh in their entirety, was, which, like, that's. I used to dude, love, I love Postal Service. Love 20 them. fucking years. No, that was our jam. That was 100% our jam. Yeah. 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 That's dope. Well, anyway, I think this uh, this was a really great conversation. Is this conversation. the end of our podcast? Is this, are I we concluding? So. Yeah, unless there's anything else you want to talk about. Yeah, state is there of the anything world. else? No, it would be funny or if Ian. we had like credits come up right now, but it was like blooper credits. Like, thank you for the... Da -da -da. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for folding my clothes this morning, Maddie. Thank you. It's like... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Um, check Ryan out on Instagram. You probably already follow her already. I'm shadow banned, so you have to type in every letter. Uh, Instagram doesn't like my offensive nudity of my client photos, so I'm shadow banned now. They don't Girl. like Deanna's nude paintings either, so we constantly have to delete her stuff. Or it's nipple reconstruction tattoo. Yeah, yeah. God, people are so stupid. Yeah. Lame. But yeah, and then follow the podcast on Instagram at Eden.pod. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Give us a like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And yeah, we'll see you next time.